Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Yom Kippur, for this Day of Atonement, for this opportunity that you've given for us to gather together in your presence, Lord, and enter into your Holy of Holies, Lord, into your presence. Father, I thank you for being a gracious and loving God who has forgiven us, who has pardoned our sins, and who has washed them away by the blood atonement of Mashiach Yeshua. Father, I pray that as we open up your word this evening, that you will reveal your truth to us, that you will speak into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word heard, your uh, uh, spirit received, Lord, that nothing of me will be involved except that which you have ordained, and that you will move upon us and open our hearts to the reality and the truth of the call you have given us. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. You've noticed by now, tonight is a little bit different. We are uh, observing Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Uh, as I said last week with Rosh Hashanah, the Lord has placed a very specific uh, sermon series on my heart for the fall Moedim, the fall appointed days, a series called The Call, a High Holy Day series. And um, as we look through it for Rosh Hashanah, we dealt with the call to Teshuvah, the call to repentance. Uh, this week for Yom Kippur, for this evening and tomorrow, uh, tomorrow will be a completely different message for this evening and tomorrow, we're going to deal with the call to sanctification. <clears throat> and then for uh, Sukkot next week, Wednesday night, and then on Shabbat next week, uh, the message is going to be the call to kingdom living. Uh, I feel that this is a timely message, a timely series. I feel that the Lord has placed this upon my heart for a very real purpose for our mishpacha, for our family here at Maim Chaim, for our Kehillah, our congregation, and for all of those who may hear, whether through podcast or live stream, uh, but that this is a very important series. Uh, and in particular this weekend, as we look at sanctification, the call to sanctification. Um, so as we start to dive into this, I want to take just a kind of a quick moment. We, we hear that word sanctification as believers a lot of times, and, and I don't know that we fully grasp the meaning of it, but the definition of sanctification is the act or process of acquiring sanctity, of being made or becoming holy. To sanctify is literally uh, to be set apart for a particular use and a special purpose or in the work and uh, or work and to make holy or sacred. So then we wonder what in the world is holy? How do we become holy? What is holiness? Uh, holy is defined as dedicated or consecrated to God uh, or to a purpose, and in this case, to His purpose. Um, it's a very important reality for us. Uh, as we look through the Torah specifically, we see that there are numerous times over and over and over and over that we read the words you are to be holy for i your god am holy that is a uh, proclamation a declaration a command that the lord gives us over and over again in the torah we read it throughout the rest of the tanakh 
as we look at the prophets in which Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are constantly calling Israel back to holiness, as we look at the post-Babylonian prophets who are declaring the necessity for Israel to be holy, as we look at the Brichadashah, the New Covenant writings, and that constant uh, declaration, that constant cry of the heart of the Tamudim, of the disciples, the apostles of the first century, those that literally walked in ministry with Messiah Yeshua, the call to be holy to be sanctified, to be set apart. The Torah commands us to be set apart righteous and holy before Him. It's a concept that as believers, I think we, we don't take to heart, we don't really battle and wrestle with, and we don't really uh, uh, deal with in the way that the Lord had desired for us to walk in, and the way that the Lord has desired for us to live in. And see, as we said, this message, this sermon series for this season, for the Moedim, the fall Moedim, is the call, the call to repentance, the call to sanctification, and the call to kingdom living. It's a process that brings us to the ultimate goal and reality for why you and I are sitting here in the kingdom of Mashiach, the kingdom of Messiah today. We are not here just to waste time. We're not here to warm seats. We're not here to have our own fill. We're not here, you know, I hear people all the time that say they're leaving their congregation because they're just not getting fed anymore. And I read an article a while back that said that that's the number one reason that people are vacating churches today, because they are just not getting fed anymore. And the article said, the, 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 the author in this article's response to that was, then it's time you start feeding into others, and then you'll have room to be fed again. We think it's about us all the time. We think it's about what we can take and what we can take and what we can take. But the reality is, is that the gift that has been given to us in salvation and blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua, the gift that has been given to us in the power and the authority of the Ruach HaKodesh is not for you and I. It's for those out there. It's for the people in the world around us to see what God can do, to see where He brought you and I from and to see what He can do in their lives. When we talk about the call, the call that is upon us as followers of Messiah, that is the same call that was upon Israel in the Tanakh and still upon Israel today. And, and I long for the day when my brothers and sisters in the Jewish world's eyes will be opened up to the reality that God called us to be a light to the nations. That God called us to bring this love and passion and depth of fervor that we have for Adonai to the world around us. And that the only way that we can fulfill the great call and commission that has been given to the Jewish people is through the blood atonement of the promised Jewish Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach. In 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, beginning with verse 1, Paul uh, is speaking here and he says, Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask you an appeal in the Lord Yeshua, just as you received us the way you ought to walk Receive from us the way you ought to walk and please God as in fact you are walking, that you keep progressing more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Yeshua, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, to abstain from sexual immorality, to know each of you uh, how to gain control over his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the pagans who do not know God, and not to overstep his brother and take advantage of him in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, as we told you before and solemnly warned you. For God did not call us to impurity, but to holiness. 
Consequently, the one who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God, who gives his Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, to you. Now we look at this concept of holiness and we backtrack eh, just a few books back to Exodus. So from 1 Thessalonians back to Exodus, a little more than a few books. When we go back to Exodus 19, verse 3, this is right before Israel hears the audible voice of the Lord speak forth on that great Shavuot at Mount Sinai in Exodus 20. Verse uh, 3 of 19, of chapter 19, the Lord is speaking to Moses and telling him what to say to Israel. Moses went up to God and Adonai called to him from this mountain saying, Say this to the house of Jacob and tell B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you listen closely to my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all the people. For all the earth is mine. So as for you, you will be to me a kingdom of Kohanim, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which you are to speak to B'nai Israel. So this isn't a concept that just suddenly pops into Paul's head, that the people of God are to be holy, sanctified, righteous, and anointed, that we are to walk in holiness in the presence of God before all men. This isn't something that just, poof, all of a sudden the light bulb clicked in Paul's head. This is something that's been proclaimed since the foundation of creation. See, what's really interesting is Yeshua came robed in flesh. God himself tabernacled amongst us, robed in flesh, so that we could see what it looks like to live a righteous and holy, sanctified, set-apart life before all men. Because what we were created in the image and likeness of is the Lord himself robed in flesh. Genesis tells us we were created in his image and likeness that the Lord looked at us on that day and said, it is good. He didn't go, it's okay. He didn't go, it's a pound of fell. That's a total waste of clay and time and energy, and I could have done so many better. He said, it is good. The Lord has declared over your life, it is good. He didn't say it could be good. He didn't say it might be good. He didn't say one day it will become good. He said, it is good. It is good. The enemy wants to rip that reality away from us. The enemy was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be God himself. He wanted to be more than what God created him to be. And when he gets cast out of heaven, he comes down to little Adam and Eve and the, the, the image of the serpent, and he approaches Eve and says, hey, you know, if you just eat of this fruit here, you could be like God too. You could be like God too. The reality is, is we are already like God. It's not to say we're little gods or we're gods ourselves or any kind of deity by any means, but we are created in the image and likeness of God. We cannot become more perfect than the perfection we were created in, but we can fall. And the enemy projected his issues upon us. He wanted to be more than God created him to be. And when it didn't work out and he was cast out of heaven, he comes to you and me. He comes to Adam and, and Hava, Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, and says, hey, if you just eat his fruit, you can be like God too. And they went, oh, sounds like a good plan. And they take the fruit and they eat. And sin enters the world. But that's not what the Lord created us for. And so from that moment forward, the entire plan of redemption, which, by the way, wasn't plan B, he didn't create us and go, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. How in the world did that fruit thing, how did that stupid serpent slip past me? It wasn't plan B. Yeshua wasn't an afterthought. John tells us all things that were created were created 
through him. It wasn't an afterthought. He was there from the beginning. All things were created through him, which means that John 3.16 is more likely to be memorable to us. Not that this is the way the wording is, but this is my paraphrase. It's more likely to be memorable to us if we understand that for God so loved the world that he created us so that he could give his only begotten son. It wasn't plan B. It was his plan from the beginning because his creation was created for holiness, for sanctification, for righteousness. And we threw it aside. The entirety of the Torah was given to us not so that we have a list of rules and regulations by which we are to align our lives with so that every day we have to walk around with a checklist and go, okay, am I good here? Am I good here? Am I good here? Am I... Oh, I messed that one up. I guess I got to start all over again. That's not what it was given to us for. It was given to us as a guideline for righteousness and holiness. And if you notice, most of the Torah is common sense, or at least it should be. Most of it is common sense. The reality is it was given to us that we could be righteous and holy before the Lord, yet Messiah still wasn't plan B. The Lord knew that we would even fail at honoring the Torah. And so he brings Messiah Yeshua, he brings himself a little lower than the angels, and he comes down robed in flesh and tabernacle amongst us and gave his life for you and I that we could be restored to the image and likeness in which we were created. That we could be restored to perfection, to righteousness and holiness. And look, don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean this is an easy road. It doesn't mean just because we accept the final atonement given in Messiah Yeshua that all of a sudden everything is going to be hunky-dory and easygoing. We're not perfect immediately, it's a perfecting process. But the beauty to a process is it requires a willing heart. So Paul says... For you know that instructions we gave, the instru what instructions we gave you, verse 2 of uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, that we gave you through the Lord Yeshua, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's an ode back to Leviticus 19. Uh, Leviticus 19, in which the, the Lord speaks to Israel in verse 2. And says, speak to the congregation of Israel and tell them, you shall be kedoshim, you shall be holy ones. For I, Adonai, your God, am holy and every other place in the Torah in which the Lord says you are to be Kedoshim, you are to be holy ones. Because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. We are called to be sanctified. The, the, the beauty of this calling that we have is that we don't have to do it on our own because we can't. We've proven that for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. Israel had the tabernacle in their midst in the wilderness and for 370 some odd years in Shiloh in the north of Israel. They had the tabernacle in which the very presence of the Lord resided and directed our footsteps in a very literal sense. And yet they still couldn't get it right. Israel had the permanent taber uh, temple, the Beit Mikdash, uh, the permanent temple itself in which they saw the presence of the Lord standing there day in and day out. And they still couldn't get it right. The Lord allows us to rebuild the temple again. And we still couldn't get it right. But the Lord said, no matter what, all of that was a foreshadowing of what is to come through Messiah Yeshua. Because it's only in the perfect sacrifice of God. See, 
One of the unique things about Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur's whole purpose was for the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies with the blood of, uh, of atonement to make atonement for us. It was man making atonement for man. And if you notice, if you go back to Leviticus 16 and you can read this on your own at home, he didn't go in once. He went into the Holy of Holies numerous times on Yom Kippur. And every time he went in, he would have to go and, and immerse in the water. He'd pull off his priestly garments. He'd immerse in the water. He'd come out the water. He'd re-robe with uh, white linen garments. He'd go into the Holy of Holies. He'd do the, the deed he had to do in there. And he'd come back. And every time he'd go in, he didn't just go in. He had to take the incense pan. And he had to stick the incense pan with burning incense on it into the Holy of Holies to fill the Holy of Holies with smoke so that his flesh wouldn't interact with the Shekhinah, the divine glory of God, because he was unclean himself and God's presence cannot dwell in the midst of unclean man and so when the unclean man would go in to make cleansing atonement for unclean men he had to be blocked and protected and shielded from the presence of God and if you notice he had to go in to make atonement for himself and then he went out and then he went in to make atonement for the tabernacle and he went out and he went in to make atonement for the people of Israel and he went out and over and over again he had to go in and he had to make atonement for the priesthood, he had to make atonement for Israel, he had to make atonement for the tabernacle. It wasn't a one-time thing, but in order to make atonement for the people, he himself had to find atonement first. Man making atonement for man and it never, ever worked. As a matter of fact, all it did was push our sins forward one more year. And on the other end of that Yom Kippur was a giant snowball waiting to collapse back down upon us. But then our Melech Mashiach, our King Messiah, comes in the person of the suffering servant, Yeshua Mashiach. And he comes and offers his life not only as the perfect sacrifice, but he ascends into heaven post-resurrection. And he sprinkles the blood of the perfect Lamb of God upon the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, just as was done each and every year on Yom Kippur. This time, God making atonement for man. Which is what he always intended since the fall of creation. Which was always his plan since before he breathed the very first word of creation into existence. The Lord's plan for you and I was not that we rot in hell because of our sins, but instead that He created us to redeem us from our sins to be in His presence for eternity. Hebrews 10 tells us to boldly enter into His holies. The only way that you and I can enter the Holy of Holies is by the blood atonement of Mashiach Yeshua, redeeming us, restoring us, and putting us in that place that God intended for Israel to be as Kohanim, as priests, in the order of Messiah Yeshua. That is what the Lord had intended in the first place. We go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, to be mercies, to, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is a living sacrifice unto the Lord? that we be holy and acceptable before God. Well, how do we be holy and acceptable? 
We accept the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua. We walk in faithfulness in his ways. James says that uh, when the, the, that uh, sin is the transgression of the law, that doesn't mean that we have to honor the law for salvation, but it does mean that there is a responsibility upon us to honor the word of God in its fullness. All right, not just Matthew through Revelation, not just Genesis through Deuteronomy, in its fullness from Genesis to Revelation so that we can be righteous and holy before the Lord because that is what we were redeemed for. And so if we sin, imagine the sin of Adam and Eve, how bad that broke God's heart. Now imagine you and I bought by the blood atonement of Mashiach Yeshua. How much more does our sins break his heart? And I don't think it breaks his heart because we sinned. I think it breaks his heart because every time we sin, it's that much less of a witness of his glory that we reveal to the world around us. But when he rejoices is when we return in fullness of repentance because it's that much more of a revelation of his mercies that brings us into his glory. We go to 1 Peter 2.1. Uh, 1 Peter 2.1 says, So get rid of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all ashanara, evil speak, evil tongue. As newborn babies long for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow towards salvation. Now that you have tested that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you were God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. 1 Peter 2.9, Paul, or Peter, I'm sorry, reestablishes the words of Exodus 19, in which Yeshua, or the Lord said that he was making us a nation of Kohanim in which he was making, making us the king's kohanim, in which he was making us a holy priesthood, a holy people, righteous and holy because of him, not because of a burnt offering made in a tent in the wilderness somewhere, but because of him, because he himself offered of his only begotten son that you and I may have eternal life in his midst. And we have been called to live a life of sanctification, a life of holiness, so that the world around us will see what the Lord has done and that He is good and that His love endures forever and that He wants nothing more than to restore all of creation to the image and likeness of which He has created us in. I want you to understand the weight and the might and the power of the call of sanctification that is upon us. I believe that the Lord has placed this series on my heart for our congregation in this day and age that we live because we no longer have time to waste. Days are drawing rapidly to an end. 
prophecy is being fulfilled and revealed, we are literally watching as Israel as a whole is becoming saved in the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua across the globe. We're watching as thousands of Israelis are coming to faith. We're watching as Jews in India and in China and in Japan and in uh, Eastern Europe and in Africa and in South America are coming to faith day in and day out in the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua. We are watching here in the States as Jews are coming to faith left and right in the truth of salvation and Messiah Yeshua. And Yeshua says he will not return until all Israel proclaims, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is not just a beautiful phrase that we proclaim in our liturgy each and every week, but it is the welcoming of the bridegroom to the bride. you got to understand you and I are not given this gift of salvation for you and I. We're given it to bring to the world around us. And if we don't walk in the holiness by which we have been called to live, we just need to get out the stinking way because we're wasting our time. We're wasting God's time. And most importantly, we are wasting prophetic time. We live in days in which the power of God must be manifest among His body so that the world around us can see the power of God move. We live in days in which if the power of God is going to be manifest, we must be holy and cleansed in Messiah Yeshua. It can't be a repeat after me, now go about your lives as they were in the first place. It's got to be a true fall on our faces daily before the Lord, buried nose deep in His Word day in and day out, on our faces in prayer, fasting. Look, <laughs> Yom Kippur, I hate Yom Kippur because I like to eat. And Yom Kippur, we can't eat. It is a day of fasting. It's a day where we set things aside. But I want you to understand this and I want you to grasp this. Earlier when uh, Joel was praying, he said, Lord, we want a hunger for you. Throughout the rest of this Yom Kippur, every time you feel the hunger pains, and you will, imagine first thing in the morning when you roll out of bed and you're used to getting your, your eggs and grits or English muffin or whatever it is you eat in that cup of coffee and your belly starts to grumble. I want you to take that opportunity as a reminder to cry out for the hunger of the Lord. Cry out for hunger, in hunger for His power, for His anointing. Because I don't think we as the body of Messiah have been walking the anointing for a very long time. We've seen little spurts of revival here and there, but you know a biblical revival impacts the world, not a city. Biblical revival impacts the world, not a city. We're in the days of the latter rains revival, I truly believe. This is a revival that's not going to impact Maim Chaim or Brownsville and Pensacola or Toronto or wherever else we've seen revivals before. This is a revival that is going to start with the Jewish people. It is going to start with Messianic Judaism. It is going to impact the entire body of Messiah and it's going to take the world by storm. Why? Because people will see signs and wonders. They will see salvations brought about by miraculous healing and divine appointments. They will see the Lord reveal himself in you and I if we are willing to walk in the sanctity and holiness that is required and expected of a follower of Messiah Yeshua. This call of holiness is not a call to be wasted. It is a call to be walked in. It is a call to daily, fervently be hungry for 
the light that is in us shall not, will not, and cannot be overcome by the darkness of this world. The hope that is was within us is a hope that this world needs more now than ever before. If you don't believe me, look at the division all around us. As if division isn't easily seen in the body of Messiah, let's just look outside of the body of Messiah. This country is falling apart because of division. But the Lord wants to unify. He didn't develop, uh, he, he didn't send Messiah so that there can be a Messianic Jewish movement and a church, a Gentile-led church. He sent Messiah that all may be saved and brought together in unity. We don't have the Jewish body and the Gentile body. We have Messiah's body. We don't have the Jewish bride and the Gentile bride. We have Messiah's bride. It is time that we get our heads out of places you can imagine and we walk fervently in the word of the Lord in faith in the Lord in resurrection truth of Messiah Yeshua because the resurrection that is awaiting us is one that we better not be the only ones waiting on. It's time that the power of God moves in His people and it will only happen when we walk in sanctity and holiness that the Lord has offered His only begotten Son that we can once again find. Put aside the ways of this world. Put aside all immorality. Put aside all evil language and evil, evil tongue. Put aside anything and everything that hinders our walk with the Lord. As uh, uh, Paul says in Thessalonians, again, 1 Thessalonians 4, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, to abstain from sexual immorality, to know each of you how to gain control over his own body in holiness and honor. That isn't just sexually, that is in every aspect of our life. Don't let alcohol take control. Don't let drugs take control. Don't let your wicked mouth take control. Don't let the enemy take control. Don't let anything of this world take control. The problem is the body of Messiah has wholeheartedly bent over backwards to let the enemy have control of our lives. And it's time that we take that control back in the blood atonement of Messiah, the power and authority that has been given to us from the foundations of creation and reestablished in our uh, hearts since the outpouring of the Ruach in Acts 2. Not in the passion of lust like the pagans who do not know God and not to overstep his brother and take advantage of him in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. As we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God did not call us to impurity but to holiness. Consequently, the one who rejects this is not rejecting man but God who gives his Ruach a kodesh to you. When you walk out this righteousness, this holiness, and you walk in the power of God and somebody rejects that. It is not them rejecting you. They're rejecting Messiah. Move on. Because there's somebody else hungry for it. At the very least, accept that you planted the seed, whether they like it or not. And be willing to let somebody else see the fruition of that harvest. But you've got to understand the days we live in, the harvest is ripe and ready. Are you willing to be a worker for that harvest? Are you willing to be led by the Spirit of God to impact this world around us? And the only way that's going to happen is if we wholeheartedly give our hearts and our lives to the Lord and let the sanctification work of Messiah Yeshua take full and total control of us, making us holy, righteous, set apart for our appointed one. Of Rachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you that you have called us on this Yom Kippur to recognize the call that you have given to each and every one of us as believers in Messiah Yeshua. 
Father, I thank you that you have called us in your blood atonement to righteousness before you so that the world around us may see you in our lives. And Father, I pray over each and every person in this place, each and every person hearing these words, that the power and the anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh and the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua will completely and entirely overcome us in fervency of you. Father, have your will, have your way in this place, in this hour, in this season, in each and every one of our lives and our hearts, and lead us unto your steps of righteousness so that the world around us may see the truth of your salvation. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua our Messiah we pray. And everyone says, Amen, Amen and Amen.